In this episode, we're going to talk about how to confirm your arbitration award in Texas after you receive the arbitration award and the debtor persists in not paying the debt. It's the Keith Law PLLC podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. You provided goods or services to a customer or other client under a contract that allowed for arbitration in the event of non-payment, the customer didn't pay, and you obtained an arbitration award. What do you do now? In Texas, arbitration awards are confirmed in court under Chapter 171 of the Texas Civil Practice and Remedies Code. In Texas, this should be a relatively routine proceeding where you present the arbitration award to the judge, and the judge blesses the arbitration award, turning it into a Texas judgment. The debtor is provided with certain due process rights that are very limited under the statute. And in this statute, we're looking at Chapter 171 of the Texas Civil Practice and Remedy Code. That's the CPRC. And under 171.086, it's very clear that the arbitration award should be given a lot of deference. This section says the judge shall confirm the award and render judgment in favor of the creditor unless grounds are offered under either section .088 or .091 to vacate, modify, or correct the arbitration award. And the court's jurisdiction is granted pursuant to the CPRC Chapter 171 in the Federal Arbitration Act at 9 U.S.C. Section 9. The state and federal courts have concurrent jurisdiction to enforce the Federal Arbitration Act. For clarity, this court proceeding is not to give the defendant or the debtor a chance to take another bite at the apple. The court's review of the arbitration process is severely limited and should indulge all reasonable presumptions in favor of the arbitration award. As I said, the arbitration award must be confirmed unless there are grounds for modifying, correcting, or vacating, and those grounds are very limited. Before I forget, we should address attorney's fees. Can you recover your attorney's fees incurred seeking to confirm the arbitration award? It appears that the answer to this question is yes, so long as the contract that led to the arbitration award allowed for attorney's fees. Under 171.088, the award can be vacated for four reasons. One, if the arbitration award was obtained by corruption, fraud, or other undue means, the debtor can seek to vacate within 90 days after the grounds are known or should be known. And again, the grounds are corruption, fraud, or other undue means. This 90-day time fuse is very short. The second grounds for vacating the award under .088 is if the rights of a party were prejudiced by evident arbitrator partiality, arbitrator corruption, or arbitrator misconduct. Three, if the arbitrators exceeded their powers, refused to properly postpone a hearing, refused to hear material evidence, or conducted the hearing contrary to the rules in a manner that substantially prejudiced the rights of a party. Or number four, if there was not an agreement to arbitrate. The right to arbitrate is a creature of contract. If you haven't contracted to allow for arbitration, arbitration is not allowed. The time fuses to seek to vacate, other than number one, which is the corruption, fraud, or other undue means, which is 90 days after grounds are known or should be known, 
is a different 90-day deadline. Other than that, number one, the deadline is 90 days after delivery of the copy of the award to the applicant. That's the deadline to apply to vacate, correct, or modify an arbitration award. Where can an application to affirm an arbitration award be filed? Well, the applicant can file anywhere, but there are three places that are listed as permissible under the rule. One, where the debtor resides or has a place of business, or if there is no such place, in any Texas county. Two, where the agreement specifies, if the agreement specifies a county within the state of Texas. And three, if the arbitration was conducted in Texas, then the county where the arbitration was held. However, if the applicant files in the wrong county, the opponent can only object to the location county within 20 days following service of process. So if the applicant files to affirm the arbitration award in Harris County, and for some reason that's not one of the listed permissible counties, but the opponent doesn't object within 20 days of service of process, then the proceeding will proceed in Harris County. As an applicant creditor, you will wish that two things were included in your arbitration agreement. One, that the location for confirming the award was specified in the agreement. That's not always possible, especially when you're arbitrating in another state from Texas. And two, that attorney's fees will be awarded to the prevailing party. The subject of recovering attorney's fees in a proceeding is a completely separate podcast episode, and realistically in Texas it could be multiple podcast episodes. But one way to avoid any confusion about whether attorney's fees are potentially recoverable is to include that provision in the contract. In this episode, we covered a lot of ground relatively quickly. The takeaways are, once you get your arbitration award, you need to file an application to confirm the award in a Texas court. You do this when the debtor is not just forthcoming and paying the arbitration award. In my experience, if there's a debtor that you've had to take all the way through an arbitration process, that person or company is probably not going to be likely to be quick to pay on the arbitration award. So when you file your application to confirm the arbitration award and turn it into a judgment, what you're doing is you're taking the next step toward creating a judgment that you can then pursue. Something I may talk about in some of these episodes is how Texas is a very debtor-friendly state. Once you turn your arbitration debt into a judgment debt in Texas, courts are not going to enforce that the way they enforce tax liens and child support obligations. You won't be garnishing wages, though you may be doing something called garnishing bank accounts, which is a completely different thing. But you will be able to engage in what's called post-judgment discovery, where you're able to ask very probing questions about the location and extent of assets, and what you're looking for there are non-exempt assets. That means assets that are not exempt from recovery. As a very debtor-friendly state, a lot of assets are exempt from recovery by a judgment debtor. Most of these protections are focused on protecting individuals and not corporate entities. That being said, corporate entities can raise completely separate issues of collectability. Although they may not have exempt property, they may not own their property, they may be renting everything. Or you may run into the situation where the judgment debtor entity is controlled by someone who has a whole basket full of entities, and he or she is doing business through one entity that is undercapitalized or has no assets at all while running all the money and holding all the property in separate entities. That raises entirely separate questions for separate episodes about the Uniform Fraudulent Transfer Act and piercing the corporate veil to access assets 
which should be available to a creditor. However, in the arbitration confirmation context, the proceeding should be relatively routine. If you've waited 90 days past delivery of the arbitration award to the debtor, according to the statute, the debtor should have very few defenses to the arbitration confirmation proceeding. That being said, I have run up against creative lawyers who throw a lot of defenses that are impermissible under the statute into the lawsuit, slowing down recovery of a confirmation. However, if you have a good attorney's fees provision in your contract, in the underlying contract, you should be able to at least potentially recover all the undue attorney's fees you had to spend wading through the impermissible defenses that were asserted responding to any baseless motions or discovery, asserting any protective orders necessary to protect from unnecessary or impermissible or abusive discovery. Because again, this should be a relatively routine proceeding so that you can turn your arbitration award into a judgment that you can then move forward with standard post-judgment collection efforts. Hopefully, once the debtor sees that you were serious enough to go to arbitration, get the arbitration award, and then go to court and turn that arbitration award into a judgment, the debtor will get serious about talking about making you whole in some way. However, if that doesn't happen, post-judgment discovery is very broad and you will be able to dig into a lot of information, definitely about the debtor entity or individual, but in many cases also into associated entities and officers and directors connected to associated entities in search of assets which have been fraudulently transferred out of or away from the debtor entity or individual. I hope this episode was helpful in explaining how to confirm your arbitration award in Texas. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.